Scripture this morning is from Luke 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Good morning. I mentioned last week that I like Jeeps. And that love and and, uh, desire for Jeeps started about 20 years ago when I first uh, moved here to Idaho. Uh, I'm a California boy, and I was into surfing and beach volleyball and came out here, and I didn't know what to do with myself. And a bunch of my buddies said, well, you got to get a Jeep. That's how you make it in Idaho, and, and that's how you live. And so I started to look, and as I started to look, I started to realize I like these. These are cool. I like the open-air deal. I like that you can get up into the mountains, and so began my search 20 years ago. My buddy Steve McNamara, who's a mechanic, I would take the Jeeps that I would see and, so that he could inspect them, and after several uh, times of going over to him, he said to me, he goes, you must really, really want a Jeep quite badly because these things are junk that you're bringing in. <laughs> and so he said, you need, to, you need to look for something a little bit in better shape uh, to get you around. And so I did. I kept my hunt going on. And then the day came. On Chinden Boulevard, down by the 7-Eleven, there it was. 1979. CJ7, straight six, 33-1250 tires, and it was Bronco Orange. (laughs) And I met the guy down there, and I bought it on the spot. My hunt had been successful, and I was so excited about it. And so I drove it home, and I walked through the door, and there was Kena, and all the rest of our family was in town, the in-laws and stuff, and cousins. And I'm like, honey, I bought a Jeep. She wasn't real happy. <laughs> and I praise God that, that the family was there because she wanted to express herself. <laughs> but was unable to. Here's the deal about being a Jeep owner. About every... Every three years or so, you start to, to get the Jeep itch. If you got rid of one Jeep, years will go by, three years or so, and the itch comes back. 
And I've had several Jeeps over the years, a couple of Wranglers and a Jeep Cherokee. And, and again, they're just fun. I enjoy them. And then there comes a time, and, and Kena told me at one time that they're just not practical. I'm like, well, fun is never really practical, you know. <laughs> so I sold my last uh, Wrangler that I had, and, uh, and I, I got a truck, and the truck's really practical and, and useful around the house. But I've had the truck for um, about three years now. <laughs> and the itch has come back. And here's what's been going on in the life of Rod Ritchie. About, about a month, a month and a half ago, I just really got, got the itch going on. And, and so what I would do after a full day and late at night after the kids are in bed, I would hop onto Craigslist. <laughs> I love Craigslist. And I started to do this every night, literally, every night. Started to check for that new Jeep. My thinking is, hey, listen, I'll sell my truck. Whatever money I get from the truck, I'll put towards a Jeep that will be a comparable price. What's wrong with that? Nothing really, actually. But the problem is, literally, for the last month and a half, I have gotten on a Craigslist pretty much every night and hunt for this Jeep. And here's what the Holy Spirit has been doing with me. Holy Spirit's been giving me a little goad, a little nudge, sometimes a sharp jab. Say, Rod, what are you doing? What are you doing with your time? I'm becoming consumed, or I had been, in this hunt to scratch the itch. And honestly, it was getting to be a bit much. And the Spirit was telling me, this is my journey on Craigslist, Rod, you need to just let it go. You are focusing way too much on this hunt for stuff, thinking that somehow that itch will be scratched and everything will be better once you get the Jeep. That's what he's been doing with me. And I started to realize I was going after that, and it was becoming something that was really becoming a fixation for me, truly somewhat consumed with that, kind of like Golem and going after precious. And the Lord has been working with me, saying, Rod, why don't you take your time in the evening, and why don't you pray? Pray for your family. Pray with your wife. Why don't you read my word? Why don't you actually go to sleep? because it's getting awfully late. And you all know how it is sometimes. You get on that computer, and, and hours will go by. And next thing you know, it's real late at night. That's been my life on Craigslist. And I've become somewhat greedy. And God is working with me on that. I've been starting to fix my eyes on other things than the Lord. Again, nothing wrong with a Jeep, is there? But when it becomes something that's our focus and then a lot of our time and energy goes towards, I think the Lord is calling us towards himself and a reminder to draw back on the author and the perfecter of our faith. As we look at this parable of the rich fool this morning in Luke chapter 12, we're going to see two lives that are consumed with stuff. One is a real person in the crowd. The other is in the middle of a story, a parable that Jesus is telling. They're about lives that are 
obsessed, drawn to, fixed upon stuff. They are lives that are becoming greedy. The scriptures start out in verse 13, and it says, someone in the crowd says, hey, Rabbi, listen, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. Oftentimes, people in the culture would seek the rabbis out to, to decide in legal matters, family matters. The rabbis didn't particularly enjoy this. They often would try to get out of these things because it got messy. But they were still sought after because they had great authority. And so this guy, he calls out in the middle of Jesus' teaching. He says, listen, Rabbi, I need you to do this for me. Tell my brother to give me the inheritance, to divide it up. The scriptures really read the guy is, is somewhat rude. He interrupts. He's kind of abrasive. He's very demanding. Now, I want you to understand something. Jesus has been teaching about hell. He has been teaching about hypocrisy. He has been teaching about, about eternal life. Where's this guy's mind at? Jesus has given a sermon here, and this guy's somewhere else. I always thought it would be interesting to do an exit survey of what you guys think about while I'm teaching, or Jackson's teaching. And what that really looks like, if we could pop up the little bubble and see where your minds go every Sunday morning when we're up here teaching God's Word. See, the Lord knows that our minds get consumed with things. You guys may be thinking about tomorrow morning, the meeting tomorrow morning, and it's going to be a heavy one, and you've got to meet with some people, and it's going to be a difficult conversation. You might be thinking it. I need to get back for the game, and I want to watch that. You might be thinking, hey, Richie's zipper's down again. You know? <laughs> you, you never know. You always got to watch these things. Our minds go elsewhere. The Word of God is being taught. He's trying to pierce our hearts. He's teaching about important things about eternal life. And this guy is consumed with other things. And what's he consumed with? He is on Craigslist saying, I need stuff. I need my land. I need my inheritance. He thinks that Jesus needs to be the one to tell his brother. He probably was cheated. It's probably a fair scenario. Brother wasn't handing over the inheritance. So Jesus, tell my brother that I am right and he is wrong. Well, how does Jesus respond to this situation? He says, who made me judge? Who made me arbiter over this? Or the word divider. Who made me judge or divider of these things? Here's a spiritual truth about our Lord. About God the Father as well as his Son, Jesus. The character of our Lord is that he is never divider, reconciler, man to himself and man to each other. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love one another as yourself. I'm not divider, I'm reconciler. 
You need to know that about the character of our Lord. Jesus goes to the heart of the matter, doesn't he? Basically saying, you're saying, man, that your problem is with your brother and that you need justice or you need the land. But let me point out what the real problem is. And this is what Jesus does with each of us, doesn't he? He goes right to the heart. Here's what your real issue is. The real issue is, is not that, that it's unfair. The real issue is, is that you are greedy. And there's even a bigger issue than that. The bigger issue is that you believe that if you inherit this land, that that will bring you satisfaction, that that will bring you life, that finally you will have peace, that finally you will be content. If only I had the land, then all would be good. And that's the biggest lie of all, and that's the major issue with your heart. And that's what he speaks to each of us. And so the Lord dives in. The Lord deals with greed quite powerfully. Look at the verbs in verse 15. Let me tell you a parable. Watch out. Be on your guard against greed. Watch out. Be on your guard. What are those words like? Those are like battle words, aren't they? Those are like protection of your castle, are they not? Watch out. And they're ongoing verbs. Continually be on alert. You need to continually be aware. Because one of the things that Jesus knows and that the Heavenly Father knows is that we will become consumed with stuff. And we will become so consumed that we will think that it brings life. And we'll fall right into culture. And in today's American culture, you know this, that becomes a pretty common place for us. And we're kind of okay with it, aren't we? We become very comfortable with a lot of stuff. And we're kind of okay with a continual pursuit of such things. Who am I to judge, you know? Jesus does. It's not about what you own, okay? You guys know this. It's about your, con your, your, your heart focus. It's about becoming consumed. It's about the, the thinking that it provides life. That's what Jesus is concerned about. And we should be as well. Because it will attack. It will attack, and it'll start subtly sometimes, and then it'll keep getting stronger. But it will come. And if there's anything in abundant America, we cannot avoid it, can we? Excess is everywhere. It's always in our face. And we have to deal with it. And we have to say, Lord, what is your heart for these things? And if I do have stuff, what is your heart for the use of that stuff, which is yours? Be on guard. Watch out. Be careful. Know that it's coming at you. This came at me. You guys know what this is? It's the Costco coupon book. You love this, don't you? I get a little giddy when it shows up. Be on guard. Be on guard. Because it will tempt you. It's like opening up a Willy Wonka chocolate bar. 
But the good news this week, my friends, is the $6,000 hot tub is $1,000 off now. It's only $5,000. It's only this week. Nothing wrong with stuff. But is that what God really is calling us towards? And if we do get it, are we using it for his kingdom? Is it becoming a draw for me? Are we anticipating this showing up in the mail and how much money we will save? You know yourselves. I don't think you're much different from me. I, I like to get this thing. And I find myself kind of going, huh, I need more toothbrushes, you know? <laughs> we laugh because we know it's true. And the easy draw is that that's okay. And it's only the Spirit. I'm not up here, I'm not up here to judge you. The Spirit... The Spirit will speak to your heart on if this is becoming something that you go after. This sermon could very be easily titled My Costco Lifestyle, right? I mean, it's a big warehouse. store a lot of stuff in there. I need 5,000 rolls of toilet paper. We know that. <laughs> it's where we're at in a culture. But Jesus takes it very seriously, and I think we should as well. You know, again, the problem is, is that we don't and I think that's, I think that's where the, the Spirit really needs to work on us. We, the problem is, is that we get, we get so caught up with, with that, you know what, I'm not a Scrooge. I'm not like Scrooges. And Richie, I've heard these teachings before. You know, we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to go after stuff. I, I, we've heard it all. But honestly, we keep living it out, this pursuit. And I would say for most of us, we tend to be greedy. Really. I don't want to be greedy, but we're drawn to it. And, and, and so the caution and the Lord's words, which are strong, are watch out. John Stott has a wonderful new book out. It's called The Radical Disciple. And I, I want you to pick this book up. I think it will really bless you because we're all about making disciples in this body. And it's called The Radical Disciple. And it says this about materialism. It says, materialism, a preoccupation with material things, a preoccupation with Craigslist. It can smother our spiritual life. It can put out, choke out our spiritual life. The flame that we have for Christ, it can put that out. It becomes consuming, doesn't it? For all of us. And again, we don't want to feel too uncomfortable, so we don't bring it up too much. Greed. That's why we have the Spirit. It chokes us out. And you know, here's what I know to be true of this fellowship. I know, like myself, you and I desire to be godly. I know that you and I want to live in righteousness, don't we? We want to live to please the Lord. We want to have a lifestyle that is set apart unto him. We want to be holy because he is holy. And so it leads us to the point of saying, okay, Father, show me, you know, how can I know if I'm greedy? I don't want to be greedy. I don't want to just buy into the lie that somehow, you know, just this extra thing will, will bring the sense of joy. You know, versus you bringing joy. And again, nothing wrong with stuff. I'm telling you that. You know that. 
But where's our heart going with these things? How can I know I'm greedy? And if we come to a place that the Spirit shows us that we're greedy people, let us come to a place where we repent. Truly. Let us repent before the Lord. How can I know I'm greedy? One of the things verse 16 points out is you you can know you're becoming greedy when you think it all belongs to you. Look at what the scriptures say. The man in the parable, he thought to himself, what shall I do? Look at all the personal pronouns here. I have no place to store my crops. This is what I will do. I will tear down and I will rebuild. Those words right there, tear down and rebuild, those are prophetic and those are words of God. But I will tear down and I will rebuild. And I will store my grains, my goods, and I will say, the NIV says, he's speaking to himself, the better translation, I will say to my soul, Soul, you can rest now. You have done it all. Relax. Be at ease. This is how you become your own God. This is what it looks like to be in charge. You see in this passage, there isn't any acknowledgement by the man in the parable of God. Is there? In seeking after him. He received his paycheck, a bumper crop, And he didn't even ask the Lord what to do with it. I will decide for myself what I will do with what he thought was his crops and his barns and his excess. What is it like for you when you receive your paycheck? Truly. I wrestle with this all the time. First thing is, it's not my paycheck. It's God's money. And then the second thing is, do I truly sit and go, Lord, what do you want me to do? I mean, I know I've got to pay bills, but what do you want me to do with this money that you have given me that is yours in the first place? It's a changing of thinking, isn't it? We know we're becoming greedy when we become our own God. Pastor Stephen Cole has some good questions. Do my thoughts more often run after material things than after God? Am I, again, consumed with a a new car, a new computer, new clothing, and, and I seldom think about the things of the Lord. Where are my thoughts going on my daily life? What does that look like for us? For all of us. If we are continually thinking after stuff and things, then yes, we're being tainted by greed. Do you want to know how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? You need to recognize when we're tainted by greed. Do I ever compromise godly character in the pursuit of material gain? Do I cheat at work? Do I steal? Do I lie? Do I thrash a relationship in order to obtain financial success at my workplace? Then we're tainted by greed. Do I enjoy material things more than I enjoy knowing God? Does my happiness soar more when I get my Jeep? Whatever it may be for you, then let's say the beautiful individual who is broken 
and they finally come to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, is that ho-hum for us? Am I more excited about my new prize than I am about a life saved in Jesus Christ? Then we're becoming tainted with greed. Our eyes are not fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. How do I respond when I lose material things? Fires came last night. What do I do when the HP stock plummets? On paper, you guys are losing a lot of money, aren't you? Is God still my provision and my life? If I'm getting frantic because my HP stock took a dive, then somehow we're being tainted by greed, thinking that that stock will be my life. You know, I know many of you have lost jobs, and it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to know how you're going to pay the next bills. What do we do with loss? Where do our minds go? It's fine to go and pursue a job, but are we getting to a place where we think that that job is going to be my real satisfaction? And my real provision, when the Lord knows our every need, the Lord knows our every need. What if I come into fortune? What if I inherit some money? What does my thoughts go to? Getting the next thing? Or Lord, where can I pour this out into your kingdom? We want to live in righteousness. We want to follow Christ. We want to to use our gifts and, and all that God has given us. And yet, We keep getting sucked into stuff. It will be our continual challenge, won't it? We're surrounded by it. I don't know how we can't deal with it. We have to deal with it. But he's saying, be on your guard. Watch out. Keep fixing your eyes on me. I want your heart to be focused on what I have for you. The other problem with greed is that it ignores relationships. It ignores the value of relationships. You see, coming home and saying, Honey, I bought a Jeep. That doesn't help my marriage at all. And it it doesn't give value to Kina. It doesn't give her input into my life. It's just selfish. And money does that, doesn't it? And pursuit of stuff does that, does it not? Greedy. We want to get it, and we're going to get it. And we don't think about others and how it affects others. You see, God is a God of relationship. Again, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Relationship. Greed gets in the way of our relationship with God. It gets in the way of our relationship with one another. And it does great damage. You see, the guy who showed up in the crowd says, Listen, fix my brother. Tell him to give me the money, the land. That relationship was obviously destroyed. Jesus says, I will not divide you. I'm not going to make this call. How many of you have had to deal with that? When the inheritance, the estate comes up. I know you have. And you have to get with your siblings and figure out what to do with the estate. And sometimes that gets real messy, doesn't it? And as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to examine our hearts in these things. If it ends up where it will destroy your relationship with your siblings, 
Then just give it to him. Really. Give it to him. God's not your provision. It's worth it to, to mess up relationships for the rest of your life so that you get a little extra. It plays out in every aspect of our life, doesn't it? This pursuit of things, being on Craigslist, wanting more. And we don't care about the relationships in the way of that. What happens with the guy in the story, the guy in the parable, is relationships are affected there also. You've got to understand something about the culture. The people listening to Jesus as he's telling this parable, they would understand this. Men would gather together at the gate of their community, the city gate, the, the, the little village gate. And the men would gather there like guys gather in a locker room and, and they, they talk about life. And they make transactions too. This is what would happen in a city gate. And so they would be in community there. And they would talk about everything. And again, business would take place. And friendship would take place. And this life would take place in the gate. And so if you had had some success with your crop, it would be shared there at the gate with the guys. That's what you did. That was a normal custom. Men were very talkative back then. We need a little more city gate, don't we? And they would enjoy community together. What's happening in this parable? This man has a bumper crop. And so he tells this whole thing, Ah, I've got all this excess. I have a good extra crop. It demands an audience, doesn't it, all that he says. But what's the reality? There's nobody. Who does he tell the story to? Who does he share the good news with? It's himself. The Jewish mind would know that this man was isolated and alone and empty and no family and no friends to rejoice in the blessings that came. Do you understand where greed takes us in regards to relationship? It'll leave you empty and isolated with destroyed relationships and you will die alone. Jesus is serious about what greed can do. We must not take it lightly. We cannot take it lightly in this culture, especially if we want to follow Christ and we want to give our lives away and we want to take his money and his stuff and give it away for his kingdom. Watch out. Be on your guard. The enemy loves to whisper Let's have a Costco life. Let's be on Craigslist. It's fine. It's not so fine when our heart is fixed there. So the question finishes up, what are we storing up for? You see, the parable isn't saying that we shouldn't be wise and planning for our future, is it? It's not saying that we shouldn't, shouldn't be good stewards of God's money and think about our children and Think about our retirement and just enough to live. It's kind of foolish if we don't think about those things. But you know what? We can become consumed with that, can't we? We can become consumed with our retirement and we can become consumed with making sure that our nest egg provides enough 
how do you figure out what enough is? I mean, you sit with these guys, and they're like, you need $2 million to live, you know, okay, if, if you die, you know. Your wife needs to have this much money around. And I, I'm like, really? What? I can't even picture that. What? Huh? I mean, I want my wife, if I die, to, to be able to provide, and I want the kids to hopefully be able to go to college. But, you know, it, it can become a fixation for us in our retirement planning. And I literally sat in the hospital with a wife whose husband died of a heart attack, died on the table, and she was telling me the story in the waiting room about how they, he just retired, and they had this whole great plan laid out. All that fixation and all your retirement all set out, planned out, our life is not our own. We are bought with a price. Be good stewards of God's money, but let us watch our fixation on such things. Is God not in control of our lives? Does he not know our needs? Jesus always looks at our heart. What are we storing up for? You see, the man in the story, he ignores, he ignores eternity, and all he's focused up is on his days on earth. And as followers of Christ, called to be living in his will, to be seeking Him. And He says, I want you to be rich towards God. Abundance poured out towards God. Like we talked about in the talents last week. Christ's abundance, it's all His, which gives us abundant opportunity to pour out that upon lives for the kingdom of God. His abundance giving us abundant opportunity to be rich towards God, to use our lives for Him as followers of Jesus Christ. Let me read out of 1 Timothy, and I'll wrap up with this, and we're going to have some communion here together. 1 Timothy 6 says this, Paul has great concern about wealth as well, about greed. But godliness, he says, with contentment is great gain. That's what great gain is. For we brought nothing into the world and we take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people who are eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. So command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in that wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And so command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, that is, to be rich towards God, to be generous and willing to share everything. And in this way, they will lay up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may have and take hold of life. And that is truly life. That you would be rich in good deeds. The rich man wanted to store it all up so that he could have a life of ease, so that he could rest, 
But he missed the true rest that comes from our loving God, didn't he? He missed rest in trusting in God with his life and with those things. And that's why Jesus goes on in this parable, at the end of the parable. He says, therefore, then don't worry about your life. I have it. I'm in control. Don't worry about things and, and what you, you know, money and housing. I got you. That is not your security. And he finishes up that parable of not worrying about saying this in 30 and 31. You don't have to worry about your life. Why? Because the Father knows your needs. So seek first his kingdom and all these things shall be added unto you. Father, we pray this morning that, that you will minister to our hearts in these matters of, of our greed. And Father, help us through your Spirit to, to recognize, would you show us any way in us, reveal to us these things that, that are contrary to you. And Father, may we fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. In your precious name, amen. We're going to take communion this morning, and as we do so, I pray that, that you will take time to repent, that you will take time to say, Lord, forgive me for my heart that has been fixed on these things, for my heart that has put my trust in these things, for my heart that has sought after life and, and, and joy alone from these things who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And as you take time to repent, we praise God because he has died for our sin. He's died for our greedy hearts. And he longs to cleanse us from that so that we may continue to walk in righteousness. That's the beautiful relationship with our Savior. So I just pray that you, you rest and, and, and seek the Lord's heart for you as we have communion together. Where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And I pray for all of us that our treasure is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And with thankful hearts, we treasure him, that he is life his body, broken for us. May our lives be poured out in sacrifice to him, an offering pleasing to him, that our lives are used of him and poured out into this world for his kingdom because his life was poured out for us. And he now lives in us, pouring out himself through us. Christ's blood shed for you and me. Father, I thank you for your death and resurrection on the cross. I thank you, Father, that, that you deal with our hearts. And Father, help us. We want to live for you. We don't want to be fixed on things. And Father, all the abundance that you've given us, I pray that you would show us
how you want us to pour that out. Thank you for forgiving us, Father. Thank you for washing us, making us new. And Lord, this day I pray for this dear body of ours that you will move in us through your Spirit, that we would live a life as generous people, live a life consumed with you. Do your work in us, I pray. In your precious name, amen.